Would you open God's precious holy word to Numbers chapter 2? This is a, this is an, a, a time, this is a series of adventures, this is an action book when we get past the first four chapters or so. But everything that we see has to be read from our perspective with a view to comparing, at least in a spiritual sense, the advancement of the church. Paul references numbers and uh, compares the church to what the Israelites go through in a couple of places here in numbers. So we start out now in numbers two. They were numbered in numbers one for battle. The male Israelites over the age of 20 who were able to go to war. Now, having found them and separated them and counted them and numbered them, numbers two, the work is organized for advancement. Of course, God is a God of order. You can imagine nearly three million people moving toward a goal, which in this case is the promised land, the land of Canaan, uh, without a plan and without any kind of organization. Well, they, they have it. They have their law that uh, helps the people maintain order in that sense. They now know who among their tribes can be used in battle and now they have to be organized when they move how can between two and three million people get up and quickly advance it's it would be impossible unless there's some organization I think it was last time I spoke about Moses um, Ethiopian wife and how uh, Josephus had written about the Storks, these birds that could eat the poisonous snakes that would create a path so that Moses and his Egyptian army could defeat the Ethiopians. Um, it's also known from ancient uh, Egyptian records, writings, that this movement, the way that they would form themselves to move in advance would be practically the same way that the Egyptian forces moved as well. Uh, so <clears throat> obviously Moses would, as a one-time commander of a large Egyptian army, would be familiar with this. And so as the Lord gave the directions, it would be easy for Moses to put the details together uh, if indeed those Egyptian historical records are, are to be trusted so now we're going to see how they organize for battle. We number ourselves, we get in the army, we know we're going to be faced with opposition because God has given the law and the law makes Israel separate from the rest of the nations. The rest of the nations are given over to darkness and paganism, but Israel is not. 
this will naturally create uh, hostility between Israel and those lands through which Israel must march to go to Canaan. And then, of course, we've already gone through Joshua quite some time back, but as we saw in Joshua, the, the conflict that, of course, they would have with uh, the Canaanites once they had arrived and crossed the river and uh, begin to march through one of the nations after the other in Canaan. So now in Numbers 2, God's people are organized for battle. A church that is to advance in the world where it exists has to be ready for spiritual battle. And so we, we, count, we count on people to do battle. We have spiritual leaders. We have warriors. We have worship. We have everything that, uh, that is seen here in uh, the camp of Israel. And all these things are important. War and worship pretty much go hand in hand. We come together in our case and we worship together corporately, say on Sunday. But then through the week, we face warfare. We, we face hostilities from the world. Talked about like that, something like that this morning. The hostilities that exist in the world. So God Almighty knows that for him to put his people in the midst of the nations, there'll be hostility. So they have to be prepared for battle. Every church, really, especially these days, needs to be prepared for the spiritual warfare that exists. They're after us. They're after our Bible. They're after our worship. They're after the integrity of our God. They're after our children. They're after everything that's important to us. And we, we're, we're resourced and equipped. God Almighty does this by his Holy Spirit. And of course, through his word, we have the, what we need and equipment and uh, resources if we'll just use them, if we'll just take them to bear. All right, so here we go. Numbers two, God's people are organized for battle. Now the movement begins. There is a goal that has to be attained. There is a direction in which they must travel. There is a place to which they must go. It is the land of promise. Uh, it, is, it is the land of, uh, of, of abundant living and blessing from God. And so the movement has to begin now, we read here, God spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, the sons of Israel shall encamp each man by his division with the flagstaffs of the banners, the flagstaffs of their father's house, some distance from the tent of meeting they shall encamp. I'll have some pictures that I, some images that I've taken out of the internet that we can look at. But uh, to preface those pictures, Right in the middle of everything are the Levites and uh, the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. So when they stop and their movement quits, 
Of course, that's, you see, God directs us by the pillar of fire, the cloud. We can only move by the, by the direction that God gives to us. There's no other direction that is appropriate for us. And if we don't know what that direction is, we need to sit and wait until God tells us what it is and shows us what it is. Then, of course, the word of God and worship are vital and central to everything we are. And therefore, the tabernacle is in the middle. There must be advancement to the goal that is before us. In order to do that, they are organized, but they are to leave a space around the tabernacle, which is in the middle. Because that area, we're going to see this later, that area closest to the tabernacle is the place that is reserved for the Levites to camp. Now, the other tribes will see there are directions as to where they are to camp and how they're divided and how they're put together in, in uh, four groups and how they advance in that particular formation. But right in the middle, and there has to be, that's why he says, be sure and leave distance around the tent of meeting, because that's where the Levites will encamp. I'll say now, now from movement to mobilization, and here we go, uh, through the long list of, of names. Those camping up front to the east were the legions under the division of the camp of Judah, the prince of the sons of Judah was uh, Nashon, son of Amenadab. His legion numbered 74,600, camping next to him the tribe of Issachar. The prince of the sons of Issachar were Nathanael and the son of Zuar. His legion numbered 54,400. Tribe of Zebulun, the prince of the sons of Zebulun, Eliab, the son of Halon. His legion numbered 57,000. 400. The total sum for the legions of Judah's camp, 186,400. These shall journey first. So this is the first group that comes together. So this is, this is group number one, these particular uh, tribes. The legions under the division of the camp of Reuben were to the south. The prince of the sons of Reuben were Elitzer, the son of Shadir, Shadeor, I'll get around in a minute. His legion numbered 46,500. Camping next to him, the tribe of Simeon, the prince of the sons of Simeon, uh, Shalumiel, the son of Zorishadai. His legion numbered 59,300. Then the tribe of Gad, the prince of the sons of Gad, Eliasaph, the, the son of uh, Reul, his legion numbered 45,650. The total sum for the legions of Reuben's camp, 151,450. And they shall be the second to set out. So you have the first group leaves and then the second group leaves after that. Then the tent of meeting shall set out. That's right in the middle. With the Levite camp in the center of the other camps, just as they camp, so shall they travel each man in his place by their divisions. The legions under the division of the camp of Ephraim were to the west, and the prince of the sons of Ephraim were Elishema, the son of Amahud. His legion numbered 40,500. 
Next to him, the tribe of Manasseh. The prince of the sons of Manasseh was Gamaliel, the son of Padachazor. His legion numbered 32,200. <clears throat> From the tribe of Benjamin, <clears throat> the prince of the sons of Benjamin was Abaddon, the son of Gideoni. His legion numbered 35,400. The sum for the legions under the division of the camp of Ephraim, 108,100. They shall be the third to set out. The legions under the division of the camp of Dan were to the north. The prince of the sons of Dan were Ahazur, the son of Amishadai. His legion numbered 62,700. Camping next to him was the tribe of Asher. The prince of the sons of Asher was Pagel, the son of Okron. His legion numbered 41,500. Then the tribe of Naphtali, the prince of the sons of Naphtali was Achra, the son of Enon. His legion numbered 53,400. The sum total for the legions under the division of the camp of Dan was 157,600 and they shall be the last to set out. These are the numbers of the Israelites according to their father's houses. The total number of legions of the camps was 603,550. Now that's a formidable group of men. That's just the men who can fight. That's a very, that's a very, large, uh, a very large army. And if you noticed, the two largest ones were the vanguard and the rear guard, which would have been under the banner of Judah in front and under the banner of Dan in back. In the Old Testament, Dan was known, the tribe of Dan was known for their fighting ability. So the, the two most numerous places were in the most vital spots uh, to be the chief guards of the whole troop that's moving. 603,550, that's the number of males 20 years old and upward who were able to do battle. Now, as I said earlier, there would be men who didn't have the physical ability to fight. Of course, some were younger than 20. Some would have been in the age range but had, had physical disabilities in some way. And then some would have been old and couldn't fight. Then on top of that, the women and the children. So two and a half, three million people moving. That would be easy to spot if you are, a, if you are one of the uh, servants of the king in an outpost and you see nearly three million people marching orderly, marching in an orderly fashion across uh, your nation. As a matter of fact, some of their adventures we'll see as we go through the book of Numbers uh, because of their marching across nations headed to the promised land. And I have a few images here uh, that give us an idea um, of how they were, of how they were uh, ordered, the arrangement of the camp of Israel. Always the tabernacle in the middle and then the priests around in the middle. Uh, Moses and Aaron, of course, would have been in the middle uh, close to the tabernacle. So there would have been 12 tribes and they were divided into four groups, three tribes in each group. Here's another likeness of, uh, of the tribes. Uh, 
uh, as they would as they would set in their encampment. And um, here is yet still another one. Always Levi is in the center, as is Moses, as are Moses, Aaron, and their sons who are listed. So this, and there's the pillar of, there's the, the smoke, the column of smoke, the pillar of fire that comes forth. Now that thing, when it swung around and stayed still and didn't move, that meant the camp stayed still. God has his reasons and his purpose, and they were to sit still and wait. They weren't to go anywhere. But when the, when the pillar of fire or when the column of the cloud, the, the smoke, when it, when it began to stir and move and swing around, wherever that thing was, they were to follow it. And they were to go to it, go behind it, go with it all the way to the land of promise. Uh, these are their banners that they had, their flags, uh, in the likeness that they would raise up, the standards that they would raise, the four. Now, finally, last thing to consider is the ministry provided for the people of Israel. And of course, this is as vital as the warriors themselves. The, uh, the, the work of the tribes and the leadership of the tribes I feel like I'm in heaven. <laughs> the ministry, the Lord shows us the ministry, the worship. It's as vital, the, the um, obedience to the word and the commands of Yahweh. This is, this is as vital as pulling out a sword and going to battle, moving across the land. So here then, uh, the section that's called ministry. And there they are right in the middle. The Levites, so this is one likeness that's given, and you'll see here around the tabernacle, the encampment of the Levites, and then beyond that, the encampment, the encampments of the other, uh, the other tribes. Here's another likeness, and uh, that, that smoke, that pillar was always there, and always the people were watching. So everything is temporary, and they, they would be motivated and trained to break camp and move as quickly as possible. Uh, so they were, they were very mobile, but the ministry was right in the middle. And of course, you see the brazen altar and the laver and the holy place and the holy of holies is on, on inside there. And the Levites who were immediately encamped around the tabernacle had the responsibility of, of taking down the tabernacle and everything about it and carefully putting the ark up on the shoulders of a certain set of priests and everything else going along uh, as they moved. And then when they stopped, immediately as quickly as possible, put the tabernacle back up that would, that would look something like this. This was the responsibility of the Levites. And uh, yet still another likeness. Whenever they were encamped, to be sure, there would always be a lot of activity within the, the walls of the, of the area of the tabernacle because the people were in constant worship. There were, there were sacrifices that were made on a, on a regular basis and, and the people attending to the things of, of Yahweh, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So it would be a very busy in and out, a lot of people there all the time kind of thing. And uh, 
of course, the Levites were always extraordinarily busy. If you can think of these millions of Israelites and all of the sacrifices that would be made on a regular basis, then you can imagine the constant work that the Levites uh, would be engaged in. And, and then another, uh, finally here, another likeness of the center of, of where the Israelites were. So we're talking ministry here. It says, however, the Levites were not counted with the rest of the Israelites as Yahweh commanded Moses. The sons of Israel did all that Yahweh had commanded Moses. They encamped by their divisions. And so they did journey each man with his family according to his father's house. So in this, um, in this chapter two, first of all, the organization of the work of the Lord is very important. Every person had something to do. It's, Paul writes to the, I think it's in second, Paul writes to the Corinthians and he talks about how each man is to provide his service in the church. We're placed in a church of worship. We're placed in a church, a local body of believers. We each have something that we're expected to do and we are to humbly serve the Lord in those particular areas. And when that happens, the advancement goes smoothly as it was here. Uh, all of the men knew who they were, who were soldiers. Those who weren't soldiers knew that they weren't soldiers. Those who did particular and specific things were always expected to be busy doing those things. Of course, the Levites had a great deal of responsibility and were busy uh, very busy in doing what they had to do with regard to setting up and taking down uh, the tabernacle as they moved. The second thing is they advanced. From time to time, there was rest. From time to time, there would, the people would uh, stop so that the Lord could uh, commune with Moses, the leadership, and he would give a little more instruction and help Moses understand what the next thing on the agenda was, whatever. We'll see that as we go along. And then there are needs that have to be met, the water, food, these kind of things. They have to stop. And uh, the Lord would commune with Moses and explain to him how they could get water, how they could get food. These things were part of the travel. So it wasn't that they were con continually moving all the time. Of course, there were times when they would set up camp and stop for a period of time. And Yahweh was still working uh, with his people, his people still remained vigilant and they remained organized, but not just that, there was administration. In the organization, the administration of affairs was constant. As I said earlier, those who had things to do were expected to keep those things going all the time. This is a big city. How many, okay, how many cities are there that you can think of that have nearly 3 million people? This is a big outfit. A lot of things have to be done. Things have to be repaired. They have to be kept in good order. Um, everything from small details to, 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 to major details in leadership. This was, a, this was a busy community who understood that their supreme instruction came from Yahweh himself. So it is with the church. We have, we have people who, who, who rise to positions 
of service, of servanthood in, uh, in the church. And uh, we, we, we find the Lord reveals those people to each church as they go along. And the church is expected to continue to advance each man and each woman doing his or her part in the work of the church. And our instructions are given to us on how we, how we uh, are orderly and how we put ourselves together as a church, how we are governed, and the Great Commission, the, the, the place where we're headed. All of these things are clear to us in the New Testament. And we're to remain... We are to remain in such a state that we state that we constantly apply ourselves to those uh, expectations, to those commands, those commissions that the Lord Jesus gives to us. So, in that spiritual sense, we are moving as well. We're not moving to that kind of Canaan, but we are moving to a kingdom. And in each generation, we don't know exactly when the King is coming again, but in each generation. We are, to, we are to leave the teaching of the kingdom and the hope of the kingdom uh, in the hearts of the generation that follows us. And hopefully, the world around us, which would be representative in numbers with, of the nations that are around Israel as Israel marches, would understand that we worship our God, we have we have a goal to attain. We have marching orders and we're about the king's business. We're about the Lord's business to do all that we can do for the Lord in our lifetimes. So it says here, each man with his family. In the culture of God's people, the family is foundational. It's basic. It is, it is the basic building block of the rest of the culture. These families would com comprise tribes. And then those tribes, when they came together, made a nation. But notice how the Holy Spirit here, through the pen of Moses, teaches us something. They encamped by their divisions. There were, there were great bodies of Population in which they fit, but each man has, has his responsibility with his family, according to his father's house. So the family unit is basic to the people of God. And one of the things that we learned in studying the law in Leviticus was the importance of the father, the older, the, the, the generation of parents being sure to teach their children in the daytime when they get up, when they go to bed, to be sure that they understand everything that they can be taught about who our God is and what our relationship is with him and what his covenant is with us. This is all part of the vital, even the little building blocks of families all part of the vital movement of the, of the massive, uh, pop, massively populated group of people, the Israelites, as they move. And they all had the same goal in mind. Now, we know the book of Numbers. And in the due course of time, there will be 
conflict within. There'll be jealousy and murmuring and all this kind of thing. But for now, from, from the Lord's perspective to his people, to be organized for the administration to move smoothly and for the people to work together, being prepared for war and being called into worship all at the same time. And this gives them the strength that they need initially to set out to the land of promise. We're going to stop there and we'll be through with that tonight. Father God in heaven, Lord, we marvel at how you take care of your people, how you've given your word to us that we might be equipped and arranged in such a way that we might do the work to which you've called us in this particular life. Lord, give us the strength that we need to please you in the generation where we live. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.